You're listening to My Mummy. Welcome to episode three of the Mind Honey podcast. I'm Kason. And I'm Juniper. And we have another surprise topic. This time it's your turn. All right. So I have a very juicy topic for us today. So I don't know if I remember this quite exactly well, but the first time that we met, we were at a friend's birthday camping trip and we were sitting around the fire in the evening and my offering for the weekend was reading poetry so I was reading poetry I was like who is this case in person and I just remember I'd read like five or six poems and I like looked up across the circle and your eyes were just like staring into my soul and you were like oh you see God So the topic I want to talk about today is God and seeing God. It's a good topic. Perhaps the juiciest of all topics. (laughs) Hmm. I mean, that just makes me fall into silence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the place of encountering God. I think it's a good topic because, you know, typically, at least folks from my circles and my generation, when they hear the word God, it summons images of Christian pastors and you know, really uptight, holier-than-thou people who live a very restricted, um, very painful and boring life, Mm. who are afraid of everything, (laughs) who are putting off all of the glory and beauty of life until their death, in which case they hope to go to some place called heaven. Where it's better. Where it's better than here, because while you're here, life sucks, you know. And I just think it's the most backwards and, frankly, just it's just incorrect. That view, <laughs> that view of, of God and that view of spirituality is so twisted and sad to me because absolutely not what spirituality is about whatsoever Mm. yeah i'm not sure where that kind of fearful puritanical uh sorrow comes from and why people associate that with god for some reason Um, it's heartbreaking it really is (laughs) yeah i think like i grew up in conservative christianity and my experience of god 
kind of felt like it was in two different worlds. Like on the one hand, there was this God that I'm told about that has very specific ideas about my body and how I should live and what I should and shouldn't do. And like, yes, there was kind of this like personal relationship with Jesus and like, oh, God loves you, but also God punishes you. And all like, it was just like real like mind warp. And then I had this experience of like interacting through my senses with my world and I felt like I would go and play in this field that I loved and see God and I would laugh with my best friend and see God and I would even feel like you know I've always been very emotionally sensitive and (laughs) got a big wave of emotions up and down and even in those like sometimes terrible intense like visceral body feelings of emotion like it was like that that's something that's just like so alive and I feel like for me part of my journey with God um was stopping believing in God Mm in the way that I understood God from a Christian perspective. Yeah. And uh, that was huge. It felt like a huge loss in some ways to like take this like figure out of the sky and out of my heart and be like, I don't believe in you anymore. Mm. And I feel like the last like seven years or so since I did that have been this incredibly rich discovery of God all around me and inside Mm. me and within me and um yeah it's just like coming to life it sings like it's just coming to life and it's already there but I'm coming becoming aware of it again in a very similar way that I did as a child Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's it's really funny you know you came from from a very religious background and I came from a very secular background you know I think my family had a lot of spiritual elements to it Um, you know we participated at this church called religious science not to be confused with Scientology (laughs) Um, you know but it, it has its roots in transcendentalism right which comes from you know, early American interpretations of Eastern spirituality and philosophy mm-hmm. and and how those combine with, with more of a Gnostic Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Just a more direct experience of, of Jesus, a more direct experience of God. Um, but what I discovered is that in all of the ritual and dogma that emerge in a religious environment the essence of of why it all came to be is completely lost and it's like the ritual and the dogma hypnotizes and puts everyone involved into sleep to the point where they worship the ritual and they worship the dogma right and completely lose all connection to Mm. spirit and 
for those of us who are sensitive, we sense into the people involved in these circles and we realize, oh, wait, all these people are full of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it creates a lot of atheism. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in folks who are atheists. You know, they encounter these religious groups, realize they're all full of shit. The problem is they threw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Right. You know, that's another problem, right? There's this, uh, what you see is what you get. Um, there's no such thing as magic. You know, there's no tooth fairy. There's no Santa Claus. This this, this way of living that's very um, results-oriented. It's very um, mind-driven and objective. And sterile. Very, very too. sterile. Yeah. And um, that's that's the that's that's where I think it's the most depressing because mm-hmm. at least an atheist is trying to understand reality. It's atheist exploring, touching into feeling, and having a strong urge or a strong impulse towards something but this unexamined unquestioned (laughs) sleep of you know what you see is what you get i was born into this interesting culture where we i don't know we eat fast food and we we go to really crappy schools and we learn kind of irrelevant bullshit (laughs) and then we grow up and then we get jobs doing pretty irrelevant stuff and then we talk about irrelevant things as if any of it matters, which none of it does. And so we see record, record, record numbers of depression and suicide and all of these things. Yeah. And then people start looking for answers. Why? Why is this happening? Mm. It's the government's fault. It's uh, it's global warming. It's technology. It's it's Nazis. It's, it's liberals. It's you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's this deep emptiness, this deep sorrow, mm. and this longing. But God is not an option here. Mm. That's I mean we. To most people, like, oh, we figured out that was hooey a long time ago. Right. That's just religious superstition from long before science came around. And, you know, people thought Make it was. sense a, of everything. Yeah. <laughs> people thought it was elves and fairies and shit. But now we know better, right? There is no magic. There is no God. And so they circled the drain. Yeah. Having nothing at all to give their life meaning. Right. Having nothing at all to aspire to Mm. and that's the you know the defining moment of my generation which man it's um it's heavy stuff yeah what's wild to me the more and more that i experience what I would term God through my senses and 
in my heart and in my experience is that it's so simple and it's so beautiful and it's so accessible and so like what you're just describing as this like pretty huge like cultural wound this deep emptiness and loss and like I think I would describe it as like we're grieving Mm. like culturally I don't know if people would put that term to it precisely but having this emptiness having this loss and then feeling like well we've tried everything we've been curious about everything so like what's the point Mm -hmm. you know we might as well just drink and Mm -hmm. numb and try to enjoy things where we can and but it's all pretty much meaningless and Mm -hmm. what's funny is like from my perspective i'm like well yeah it is all pretty much meaningless Mm -hmm. (laughs) but also like wow i encountered deep joy pretty much every day yes and i don't feel like bubbly and happy and wonderful every day but like I, pr- I encounter this like profound, joyful, loving presence. Yes, it's, um, you know, people think that, well, I should meditate to get something. I should meditate so I could become more wise. I should do yoga to be healthy. I should, right? The fact of the matter is that that person who's sit, sitting in meditation for 10 hours, he's doing it because there's so much joy inside of him. Mm. He's so full and so happy and so content mm. that he doesn't need to move. He can be with it, Right? So it's not that you should sit there and be like, fuck, I only meditated for five minutes today. Damn it. You know, I'm a failure. I'm it's a failure. Ruined. <laughs> I'm not as pro as that Shaolin guy I saw on YouTube. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a steady, steady deepening. It's a steady, steady blossoming of this sunshine of joy in your heart. And you can give it whatever name you want. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it'll become known to you and it'll become recognized. You know, and I call that grace when it happens. Mm. Especially when it happens at a time where things could go really wrong for you. Yeah. You know, um, in my life... Of course, like in this reality, our conditioning is so powerful and we have so many uh, goodies created through technology to, to distract us and to give us pointless ambition, <laughs> right? Like getting the high score in a video game. Goodness. Talk about a completely pointless ambition. If you're doing it for the sheer joy of participation, great. But if you're making it your goal, there's an infinite number of these kind of goals that we can spend our whole life on and get nowhere with. Mm -hmm. So 
you have to taste enough of it all to where the taste starts to get bland. Mm. When the taste of it all starts to get bland, you get depressed. Mm-hmm. And you get angry. And that's when you start to approach this point of making yourself available to grace. Mm. Because you're 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 some you're subtly inside saying okay it's not any of this yeah it's not any of this what is it and i remember i lived in a depressed state for probably a decade before i even recognized it as depression mm-hmm. and it culminated in um the death of my father and then my divorce from my ex-wife and the pain the pain the pain was like a lightning bolt that just annihilated every aspect of my being mm-hmm. and you can't hold that pain when you encounter it you you can't help but to splash out into infinity right it's it's the same cry like you, we all know it this prim, primordial scream of like a mother losing her child mm-hmm. just this agony and you scream because you can't hold it mm-hmm. and when you finally disappear into that pain you realize you're being received and you're being held. And once you gather yourself back together, you have this new knowing. And it's a small seed at that point. But if you're lucky and you, you're able to listen, it guides you towards towards the light (laughs) to use uh, (laughs) religious um, words and you you start to experience joy again for no reason no reason other than you let yourself completely fall apart you let yourself let go you let yourself disappear And that's when you're reborn. Yeah. I've heard that described as like a dark night of the soul. And I know in my own experience of that, it was very much like you described. And I think I think many people have that many times in their life, but perhaps there's a significant beginning or a more weighty time of dark night of the soul and it was that like it just felt like all of my senses just got cut off and I was all I could feel was this like dark room that was deep down inside my soul that had no windows and it was damp and it was quiet in a way that felt like an aching and from that place I was just so angry Mm. I was like And a lot of it had to do with my experience of God. 
And at the time, I was actually a pastor. And I remember, like, going to my Quaker meeting and sitting in worship. And singing has always been a really big way that I feel God. And I couldn't sing. Like, I stopped using my voice. And the uh, people would be singing around me, and I'd feel the vibrations of these songs. And I would just cry, like, angry tears it's just, I was just so furious because I felt like I'd been duped <laughs> I felt like I'd been lied to and like I just was like it's just like lost in this emptiness and it was a wild thing because that went on for months and months and months it was incredibly dark incredibly like yeah what I would now term depression and then one day, I just, like, realized, oh, I can see color again. It was, like, this, like, soft, quiet blooming in that dark room inside my heart where it's just, like, oh, wow, here's, like, the unfurling of a, of a bud to a rose to a bloom. Oh, and here's another, and here's another, and here's another. I feel like whether the dark night of the soul is like an experience or a place or some energetic space, like I think we all have that inside of us. And my experience of it was, even though it was absolutely fucking terrible, (laughs) Mm. was that it like the absence, the loss, and just like you're saying, being totally with that, like letting it take me over for months and months it created this stillness like I made friends with silence and stillness and from that place like I feel like I met myself I feel like I met God Mm. again classic religious phrase God enters into you through stillness yeah and I, I would I would say that that dark night of the soul is just it's the furthest point away from god on the round trip back Mm, right it's it's the closest thing you can get to experiencing the complete and total absence of god and it's agonizing Mm -hmm. and again I, i i i like that we're having these conversations and I hope people our age can appreciate and engage in this material because spirituality in God is not some lame, stuffy, boring, restrictive, abusive system of ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I came to God completely on my own accord. I was never indoctrinated by anybody. I was never told, oh, just pray to Jesus. You know, like none of that. Mm. It's It was a slow emergence mm. over years and years and years. And, um, you know, I could say that psychedelics probably played some somewhat of a role. <laughs> they tend to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
what you said earlier reminded me of this this uh, meme, this psychedelic meme. It's like before LSD, it showed this like sad guy, and it's like life is meaningless. It's like after LSD, showed the same guy, but he's happy, and said life is meaningless. <laughs> yes. Relevant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I'm> <laughs> yes. And and that's it, right? It's 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 this recognition that joy. And happiness is what you are. It's it's within you. It comes from you. You create it. It's not something you get in exchange for something else. Mm. And I could sum up spirituality in that one. Like the the entirety of spirituality could be summed up in in an incredible laugh that brings you to tears. Mm. You know, just this. I mean, bliss, just this joy that is so powerful inside of you that it comes out in laughter mm. and it comes out in a smile and it comes out in, in the energy of service to, to the world around you. And who, who wouldn't want to live like that? Yeah. You know? And, that's the fun of it is is it's all a personal journey you won't find it the same way anyone else found it Mm -hmm. it's all up to you to find your own joy and there's so many modalities available to you (laughs) like that's the beauty of it there's there's christianity there's jesus there's buddha there's the pantheon of of hindu deities there's Advaita Vedanta, there's yoga, there's so many things, paganism, um, Zen. And they're all just there. They're all just different expressions of it. And as, as each person finds their own way, they'll, they'll resonate with what, what speaks to them. Yeah. One thing that I've been musing about while we've been talking is I think one of the biggest barriers to this welcoming of God is like we've been talking a lot about like within like in in the self in the heart in the body in the soul whatever kind of whatever we're whatever level dimension we're working on there um And this feeling of, I am separate from God. Mm. And I I see that played out like in myself and in my friends, especially in like negative self-talk and judgmental um, towards the self, like very harsh. And... I've been trying to make it a practice, like particularly this last year, of really meeting myself with love, mm. even the parts that feel very unlovable that I've been, I've deemed or judged in that way, um, and trying to have really loving self-talk. Mm. So like if I'm having like a really shitty day, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be like, okay, today is nourish juniper day Mm. i'm gonna do everything that i know 
to love myself mm. and I'm just going to be really kind in my thoughts and my feelings and in my actions towards myself today. Mm. And I feel like, you know, God is within me. You are God. I am God. Mm. We are God. We are participating in this movement of divine Mm. and so if god is within me and i am god then that like inter sanctuary of the self where all of that negative judgmental stuff like that's just bullshit it's also god <laughs> oh <laughs> tell me more <laughs> yeah so i like i mean to quote pema uh Chudron, um start where you are mm-hmm. right so, so for those who feel that God is distant, well, where, where start where you are? Where are you? I think I think the the advice to just notice, just notice who's who's talking shit about who. Mm. From where does the thought come from? Right. What's not good enough for 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 who for what? What are we measuring up to? Mm-hmm. Just notice, right? Because what's happening is we're mistaking ourselves for something that we're not, mm. okay? When we think I'm a worker at this corporation who needs to reach this um, this goal in order to be worthy of the praise of my boss and my colleagues. Um, When we think that's what we are, naturally, if we don't achieve that, um, there's going to be negative Mm self-image because we've identified ourselves with something that's a failure. And if we achieve it, what are our options there? We might feel um, inflated, I'm an expert. I, all of my colleagues hold me in the highest esteem, and you know I make more money than anyone I know, and and that goes on and on and on until that's right. You hit your ceiling at some point, and so just notice. Why do I care what my colleagues think? Why do I want more money? Who wants more money? Just notice, and. In that noticing, you get just enough space from the whirling activity of our inner landscape, Mm. right? Because we feel so much, we think so much. And really what's happening is when we're tightly identified with certain routines and patterns of our conditioned mind and body and emotion, something happens which triggers an immediate response, Mm-hmm. completely conditioned. It's immediate. I feel this pain in my chest, thinking all these thoughts. You know, damn it, Kason, you were you used to be so good at skateboarding, and now you can't even roll down like five feet without falling, right? <laughs> so that's being attached to an image. Mm-hmm. I'm attached to, my, to an image of myself as a competent skateboarder. And so if I don't perform in a way that I have an image of what competence is. If I don't perform in that way, then 
I'm frustrated, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. So let's get into that. When I'm not what I think I am, I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I'm not what I think I am, I'm frustrated. So this frustration is coming from not knowing who I am mm. and not seeing myself as I am, as I know myself to be. Mm. And if you follow that deeper and deeper and deeper, it's because you know that you're God and you're not seeing yourself as God. You know that you're beautiful and innocent and truthful and divine and you're not seeing yourself as beautiful, truthful, innocent, divine. And it's simply because you don't allow it. And that and who doesn't allow it? Well, it's the think, it's the thought, the thinking process. The the one who analyzes, compartmentalizes, categorizes. Um, the one who's really empowered in our culture. And because it's so empowered in our culture, it's what gets reflected back to us when we're around other minds. Okay, so yeah, so that's the really hard part. Is it's hard to get space from the mind. It's really, really hard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> because when you're around a lot of other people who are identified with minds, then then mind is reflected to mind, and those minds are like, "Yeah, you do suck at skateboarding, Kason." You're like, yeah, I know, I suck at skateboarding. I'm a shitty skateboarder, right? So this is what's reflected. Mm. And so it creates this echo chamber of ignorance and complete misperception of reality. And that's the practice of mindfulness. It's the practice of meditation. It's trying to get some space, just enough, Mm -hmm. to to save yourself from, from this ignorance and this sorrow that you create for yourself every day. And so, trying to approach God, start where you are. There's a lot of very simple and powerful practices for doing this. And if you're not surrounded by people who are willing participants with you, I, my heart goes out to you, I understand. It makes it infinitely more challenging. Mm. But you can start alone in your room in a mirror, just stand naked in front of that mirror and observe every inch of yourself. Look into your own eyes. Play some music and start dancing. Mm. What do you see, right? Do you see innocence? Do you see joy? Or do you, do you, are you disgusted, right? You know, and... How sad that, it, you know, if you feel disgust about yourself, where did that come from, right? I love this, I love inner child work because it's, it's a really powerful way to get in touch with where all this conditioning comes from. You know, if you feel disgust when you look at yourself in the mirror, imagine yourself as a little child or just imagine another little child. Would you feel disgust for them? Would you look at them and be like, you're disgusting? You know, you would never say that to a kid, right? Like you feel how wrong that is. So why do you do it to yourself? Mm-hmm. You do it to yourself because you were conditioned that way. Because people who felt disgust about themselves pass that on to you. Mm-hmm. 
And so just noticing it, being with it, right? That's how you approach truth. Because those are the places we don't want to look. We don't want to go there. We avoid them with TV and parties and whatever else. We avoid them. We don't want to stand naked in front of the mirror for ourselves, let alone stand naked in a room of other people. Right? Yeah. Just imagine that. You just take off your clothes on a stage with 400 people looking at you. All right? And you'll know that you're free when you're completely relaxed and comfortable with that. Because you know every inch of you, every part of you, everything, every sound you make, every hair that grows on your body, every wrinkle, every yellow toenail, whatever it is, is beautiful. It's, it's what you are. It's who you are. Mm. Right? That's not an easy place to arrive to. It takes a lot of dedication and it takes a lot of courage. It's a lot easier to just forget and try to go back to sleep. Yeah. It's much harder to accept yourself unequivocally, completely, to the furthest depths of your being. Completely accept yourself and celebrate yourself. Welcoming God. Wow, what a beautiful invitation. Thank you for that. Yeah. Because if you can have the courage to, to face yourself and hold space for yourself all alone in, that, in front of that mirror, it's going to give you the wisdom and the strength to do that for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And when you and that person can do it together, then the two of you can do it for someone else. And then the three of you can do it for someone else. And then God wakes up all over the planet. <laughs> you got it. I love it. Yeah, I think that movement from just how much effort goes into identifying and then the pain of not really knowing who you are because you're not matching up to this idea that you have of yourself. It's a lot of effort to judge that much and feel that frustrated, contrasted with the brave, challenging, courageous receiving mm. of oneself receiving of nothing's actually wrong yep. it's a very brave thing to do and so worth it yes uh, I'm reminded of a mantra uh, I've heard recently it's okay I'm okay you know, just be. 
I think people just, they're afraid to allow themselves to be because they fear there's some consequence. Right? I can't be tired today because I have to give a presentation at work. I can't be funny at this funeral. Mm. What if that's what you are? <laughs> You're at the funeral and you just you want to laugh. That's just you're not letting yourself be what you are. Yeah. And that's really you could sum up conditioning in that in that sense. Conditioning is this attempt to stop you from being yourself. Yeah, which is God. You got it. Mm. I feel like we can leave y'all with this space to take a breath and maybe do the bur- the courageous brave thing of welcoming yourself in this moment welcoming god <laughs> Amen.